Hello and welcome to the Ken's and Joe talk show, the show where we try our best and help you do the same. I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Jordan. If you're new here, we're available on all the podcasting platforms, so be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want to ask us questions, check out the forum linked in our show notes. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Ken's and Joe talk show for more content. In this episode, we are talking about friendship. And also, story time segment will be travel stories. Yeah, like story times about vacation things that have happened. Yes. Mainly from one vacation that we went on very recently, pre-pandemic. Yes, like right pre-pandemic. Yeah. So, stay tuned for that. But first, let's talk about friends. We've gotten quite a few questions about friendship, and so we're just doing kind of like an overview to answer a good many of them, I'd say. So if you asked us about friendship, this one's for you. Yes. So some specific things we're we're talking about, maintaining friendships, Mm -hmm. keeping your own identity within your friendships, dealing with toxic friendships, and also dealing with friendships ending. And making new friends. Oh yes, and making new friends. We should start off chronologically. So making new friends? Yes. Okay, go for it. So when it comes to making new friends, for me, I think a lot of it has to do with really just being myself. As ridiculously corny as that sounds, I think that's really the only way you're going to find true friends. Because when you think about it, if you are trying to be someone else when it comes to making new friends you're going to make friends with people who don't actually connect with the real you. They're connecting with a version of you that you're putting out in order to make friends. So Mm. if you're being your authentic self and, you know, you're sharing things that you actually enjoy instead of saying, oh yeah, I I really do like partying or I really do like drinking, whatever it may be that, that you don't actually like or you don't actually enjoy doing, just because you think other people who you want to be friends with like that, mm-hmm. you know, that's not a real friendship. Yeah. And you're not you're not being true to yourself. And yeah. those friendships won't last. Yeah. And I think that making friendships in high school or making friendships in college, those are really great opportunities to just put yourself out there because everyone's really putting themselves out there and trying to mm-hmm. make friends. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to. I think that that's how I made some of the best friends that I made in, in college, especially just by being like, yes, I like this thing and I really own it. Yeah. And then you find other people who like that thing and also really own it. And mm-hmm. it's fun. It's fun to bond over those things. Yeah. Oh, and I think another important point that I think a lot of people usually will tell you when you're going into high school or when you're going into college the people that you're friends with going into college or it's usually going into high school Mm -hmm. won't necessarily be your friends when you exit high school and that's not a bad thing yeah there's nothing wrong with with making new friends and that's something that when I went into high school I was like no this squad is for life and then like (laughs) I literally talked to maybe one person That's crazy. I mean, I went into high school basically with no friends and made all new friends in high school and then kind of had that same mentality going into college, I think. And I am like on decent terms with quite a few people I went to high school with, but I'm only like, I'd say on the same level of friendship as as I was in high school with one of them. So 
friendships change friendships evolve and that's okay yeah so now maybe we should go on to maintaining your friendships okay yeah what's your advice on that i think definitely having a clear idea of the kind of friendship that you have with someone is really important because if you have expectations from a person about the friendship you have with them or even a relationship and they have different expectations or like ideas of what friendship is Mm -hmm. that can cause a lot of problems like if you can be friends with somebody and not text them every day or not call them facetime them every day and you still consider that person to be your friend or your best friend, they need to know that that's what friendship looks like to you because if if that person's idea of friendship is we talk every day, we text every day, Mm -hmm. we FaceTime every day, there might be issues with that. So just definitely being on the same page about what friendship looks like. And I think that your friendships can look different with different people. So like one of my best friends, we talk basically once a week and we have like an hour long or a two hour long phone call and that's pretty much the only time we communicate during the week except for like sending each other memes and whatever and then her relationship with our other friend is very much like constant like they're constantly talking they're constantly sending each other like like having a conversation with each other over text and so their friendship looks a lot different than our friendship Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that either of them is better either of them is more or less significant than the other so like just understanding that oh well i think that this person should be treating me the same way that they they're treating that person but relationships between different people are different yeah and i think i didn't really understand that when i was younger i was like well why aren't they treating me in the same way that that they are treating other people and it's like okay well maybe our relationship isn't like that yeah and it's perfectly okay for me to be happy with our relationship the way that it is because it's it's doing everything that I yeah. need it to, you know? Yeah. And then as far as maintaining friendships, um, I think that if you aren't seeing the person every day, like as you get older, this is something that I'm dealing with right now, it's like there's no school and if I'm not seeing them every day because of school or because of work or because of like an after-school activity, it can be really hard to stay in touch. So I've had to schedule, like I said, that weekly phone call or just a weekly game night with friends or just like a regular time to be talking or just like a constant stream of messages so that we're, we're in contact. And I think it can be really hard to, you know, once you stop seeing each other, even in school when it was like the summertime, it'd be like, how do I, how do I do this now that I'm not seeing you every day? Yeah. You know? So yeah. I feel like if you're struggling with that during the pandemic, maybe like have a conversation with your friends and be like, can we set up something where we like, like talk weekly. every week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even like if we watch a movie on Netflix party or something like that. Yeah. So. And especially now with the pandemic. Yeah. Um, something else I wanted to talk about when it comes to maintaining friendships is I feel like love languages apply to friendships as well. I think it applies to all relationships. So definitely knowing your friends' love languages and just being able to communicate that to them and just communication in general. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. All right, so keeping your identity in your friendships. This is something that I... I think everybody struggles with. I struggle with it, or I have struggled with it in, like, romantic relationships more than I have in um, friendships, I'd say. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's really only been 
one friendship where I really I, I felt like my identity and my interest in who I was was kind of like overshadowed and like overtaken mm, by this person's okay. interests and their likes and dislikes and it was only until after I wasn't in that friendship anymore that I realized that I really was not a version of myself that I liked interesting and so I think a way to to not to cope with that but to avoid that would would be to be able to often take a step back and think about like am I being a version of myself that I like right now yeah I think with friendships for me it's it's been easier for me to like do that to take a step back and be like oh wait I don't actually like this thing and it like I'm not I can't control that Mm -hmm. like this one time (laughs) I was in like the sixth or seventh grade and my best friend at the time was obsessed with the Titanic and so we watched the whole thing and I didn't cry during the movie because it it takes me a lot to cry during movies I'd say and she got really mad at me and was like how like are you heartless like why (sighs) why aren't you crying like it's so sad and I was like yeah it's sad but like I'm not gonna cry about it like I can't control the fact that I'm not crying and you know to me that was just an example of me just being able to be like it is what it is like I feel the way I feel but I was in a particular uh, romantic relationship where I definitely felt like I was trying everything I could to be this person that that my partner wanted me to be and then at the end of the relationship, I was like, I don't, I don't even actually like any of these things. Yeah. You know? So try your best to not have that happen. And just, like, advocate if you, for yourself. Like, if you don't like something or you don't agree with something that your friend is saying or your friend is doing, yeah. it's okay for you to be like, I'm not, I'm not down with that. Yeah. That's and not I for think, me. I think in that relationship... And maybe in in yours, too, if you're struggling with this, you feel worried that they're not going to like you anymore if you don't like the same things that they like. And, you know, maybe that's true. And if that's true, then maybe there's not much holding the friendship together, you know. Or you can say, well, I actually like this thing. Can we maybe try, you know talking about that instead and then you have an equal voice as well yeah and I think if somebody has problems with that that's something to keep in mind red flag yeah it's definitely a red flag. yeah all right so now kind of the negative side how would you deal with toxic friendships Mackenzie so my biggest piece of advice is that like we were talking about before if there is a red flag If there are issues or arguments or problems about a friendship that you have, you need to bring that up to that person. Yeah. You can't just dwell on it and not bring it up and think, oh, it'll get better. They'll figure it out on their own. Maybe they're just going through something. And that might be true. But what you have to remember is that if somebody doesn't know how you're feeling about something, they won't know that they need to change it. Yeah. Or that they might not even know that they're doing it. Yeah. You know, and so you need to, in any relationship, you need to bring up stuff that is harming you, stuff that you don't necessarily agree with, that you don't want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Because I was in a situation, a friendship where that was going on, and I really kept my mouth shut about a lot of the stuff that was going on that was harmful and really negative because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. And 
when it came to ending the friendship, so you know, something happened and I ended the friendship and that person went on thinking that that one thing was the reason I ended this entire friendship when in yeah. reality, it was on me for not ever bringing anything up. Yeah, when it was in reality just a bunch of things compounded mm-hmm. on top of each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. And maybe if I would have brought those things up and those things would have gotten fixed, we would still be friends. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's also important to note that Two people in a friendship can be toxic towards each other. Um, It's not always just one person's fault, even though it can feel like it's always the other person's fault. But I was in a situation in high school with someone who I consider my best friend now. But in high school, we got into a pretty significant fight, I would say. And we were both telling each other like things that the other person didn't want to hear. So she was saying, you're in a really bad relationship. Like, this guy's not good for you. I don't like him. And I was like, I don't want to hear it. So we stopped being friends for maybe a year and a half, two years. And our friendship wasn't really whole again, even until we got out of college or until we got out of high school. So I think that at the time it felt like really the end of the world. But we just needed space to like grow apart from each other and be different people. And so I think that if, if a friendship is ending or you're feeling like it is kind of ending on a bad note, maybe it is not ending forever. You guys just need to figure out who you are apart from each other and then come back and be like, okay, we can, we can kind of be friends again and, and be new people together because maybe it, something just wasn't working before and we had to figure it out alone. Yeah, and, and what you were talking about, like like both parties can be toxic and be causing problems was something that I wanted to mention like you might also be the person that's Mm -hmm. causing problems in a friendship and not realizing it so being able to take a step back and reflect on yourself when you're in a friendship or relationship and ask yourself am I causing problems am I harming this other person through what I'm doing yeah that's really important yeah yeah and I think that if a friendship ends it's not necessarily a bad thing you know you might you might be happier outside of it they might be happier outside of it and that's okay and then another thing that I wanted to talk about was friendships ending like just fizzling out yeah because that can happen sometimes as you get as you get older yeah like no beef just yeah yeah so something that you could do if you're feeling kind of sad about that or you want to reach out to them again but don't really know what to say you just be like hey like I appreciate our friendship and everything that it was I know we're not super close anymore but like if you needed anything I still got your back you know something like that just so they know like if they ever needed you you'd be there for them and they they can still trust you with all of their secrets or whatever you know yeah I think that's all the advice I have on friendship okay cool shout out to my friends yeah shout out to all of our friends you guys are the best mm-hmm. Let's move on to the story time. Okay. Travel. Travel. Do you okay. want me to start? Do you want to start? Yeah, you should start. My stories <laughs> are a lot more traumatic. Not to do like, uh, I know we had the Disneyland horror stories last week, so if you haven't listened, be sure to listen to those. But yeah, my stories this week are also kind of traumatizing. Yeah. But Mackenzie is going to gonna cut the uh, tension with some humorous anecdotes for you, so she'll go first. Yeah. So, the... First, I guess we should start like chronologically, right? Like in the vacation. So we're talking about one, yes, one big fat juicy trip. 
Yes. And we started out in... England. England. London. Yeah. So, my first story time, when, for whatever reason, when we were on this trip, I had to pee, like, all the time. And, of course, we'd never been there before, so I... We didn't really know where a lot of bathrooms were. But basically, there was this one time we had been out all day. It was the day we went to the Tower of London. Mm. And... I we got back to like a sandwich shop mm. and I was wearing a what would you call it like a jumpsuit like a, a jumper jumpsuit thing yeah and it had a belt attached to it like a like a rope belt yeah uh, it wasn't it wasn't rope it was like it was the same material as the rest of the thing it was like maybe cotton yeah but it didn't have like a buckle oh no no it was just like a tie belt. a tie belt yeah and it came off fully of the, off of the jumpsuit yeah it was detachable and so I was at the sandwich shop and I had to pee. So as one does, I went to the bathroom and I sat down. I peed because I really had to go. I wasn't like looking around, you know, and I peed and I looked up and I realized there was no toilet paper. And so, you know, what you do when there's no toilet paper in the bathroom, you look at the paper towels. Right. No paper towels. It was an air dryer one. Okay. And then you're like, oh my God, okay, no paper towels. You go to the toilet seat covers. There was no toilet seat covers. So I was like, I'm going to have to use my belt. <laughs> she MacGyvered the belt. I did. I MacGyvered the belt because I was not about to just walk out of there not having... I wasn't going to do that. So I used my belt and I never saw that belt again. I didn't just like keep it with me. I threw it away. And well, I wrapped it in paper towels and threw it away. because There were no paper towels. I rolled it up and I shoved it into the trash can so then nobody would just see a belt in the trash can and then I washed my hands so well and then I was like y'all see my belt that's right because it's gone (laughs) but yeah that's my first story all right so I know you said chronologically but I have to backtrack for my first story because it is the flight to Europe so this trip was a graduation gift and we My boyfriend and my roommate and I went to London a week before my family arrived. So we were all planning on flying like roughly at the same time. My boyfriend and I had the same flight plan, but we booked separately. So our seats were different, I think, on one of the flights. And then um, but like we were going to be on the flights together. So a couple days before the flight, my boyfriend got a message that was like we were unable to confirm your identity you have to like call and confirm it so he tried to call and confirm it and that wasn't able to happen so they were like okay you have to go to a kiosk at the airport before you are able to like go through security and everything so we got there super early like maybe three three hours before our flight four hours before our flight because we didn't know what to expect. I had never flown internationally before, but my roommate and my boyfriend had flown internationally before. So <laughs> we get to the kiosk, and the kiosk literally just prints out a thing that's like, you have to go to the counter. So American Airlines International had one line at the counter for anyone and everyone with flight issues yeah if their flight had been canceled and they needed to rebook or they missed their flight and they needed to rebook same line so it was like maybe 50 parties long and so we got in the line 
and it's taking forever. There's like one, maybe two people working this line. So time is time is ticking on. Eventually, our roommate has to go be on her flight, but she finds out that she might, it, it gets delayed. So she finds out that she not, might not be able to make her connection, which is in, I think, Nashville. So that's happening, and she goes and gets on her flight. And then right before he reaches the counter, I have to go through security because our flight is getting ready to board. So... I go through security without him, and he's still at the counter. He finds out that the reason that he couldn't get through security was because his name sounds like a fake name. (laughs) So his name is Parker Charles, which I guess sounds like a fake name. This has never happened before. He's been flying for his entire life, nationally and internationally, so don't know what that was about. But he had to, like, verify his identity and... They didn't offer to give him a new flight. Um, or they, they did. They offered to get him a new flight, but I think they couldn't um, let him on the plane. They couldn't get him to me. And they didn't offer him a hotel voucher. They didn't offer him anything. So he was in airports, I think, for like 36 hours. But yes, yeah, so I had never flown internationally before, and now I was alone. Yeah. On two flights. Our first flight was to San Francisco, and so I begged the lady at the gate like can you please like is there any way you can rush him through security so he can board and she was very unsympathetic very rude to me and she said no and then I watched her give my boyfriend's seat to a flight attendant and so a man was sitting next to me on our first flight to San Francisco and I was like crying I was pretty hysterical and he just wanted to talk to me this Brazilian (gasps) man wanted to talk to me and I was Oh, I was so annoyed. But it was like a 45-minute flight. Talk to, to you about what? Everything. <laughs> that is he, so annoying. Yeah. and like, Can you not see? It, I'm upset. Yeah. I literally had my sunglasses on and was clearly crying. But okay. And so he talked to me for that whole flight, that whole 45-minute flight. And then <laughs> I got to San Francisco and my boyfriend told me what had happened and like I said, my roommate potentially was going to miss her connection. So I wouldn't know if anyone would be in London until I landed in London. So that was pretty stressful for me. Um, I got on, or I got some food and then I got on the flight to London and it was the most turbulent flight I've ever been on in my life. And it was 15 hours long. So. And you were. <laughs> alone alone i was entirely alone it felt like hollywood tower of terror for most of the flight over the atlantic that's horrible Mm -hmm. yeah and the people i didn't sleep at all um and the people next to me were i i was on an aisle seat i think so the people next to me were like constantly checking on me and like because i was like having panic attack after panic attack i think i was wearing my apple watch and the highest my heart rate has ever been was on that flight. And I was, like, sitting. That's so scary. Yeah. So it was not a good time. I was, like, death-gripping white knuckles on my seat. <laughs> I watched some freaking movie with Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway, and I can't remember the a mistakes. thing. The mistakes. I can't remember a thing. Um, and then, yeah, I landed in London in the morning, and my roommate was not there. She missed her flight. She missed her connection. So she had to stay a night in Nashville. And then Parker had to, 
I think he had a layover in Dallas and he couldn't get to us until the next day. So I was in London alone except for my roommate's mom who was there. Thank God Mm -hmm. she got me a car and it was (laughs) he was like a smoker the guy who picked me up was like a smoker so it smelled like stale cigarette smoke in the car and it was on the other side of the road and I had not slept in I don't know how many hours so I got so car sick because I was in the back seat with the smell with the smell and I was like so out of it and when I got to the flat that we were staying in because it was my roommate's mom's flat I wanted to sleep so bad and she wouldn't let me sleep rightfully so it was only like 3 p.m so I set my stuff down and then she took me to get food and then we went back to the um flat and she was like okay we're gonna go buy a vacuum cleaner in edgeware and I was like okay edgeware yeah so we we took the tube and we went to go (laughs) buy a vacuum cleaner and I was so out of it I remember looking at my arm and being like I don't know if that's my arm like, I don't know if that's my arm. I really don't. It just, like, that's how tired I was. And, I, and then uh, my roommate got there the next day, and Parker got there later that night, and all was well. Finally. Finally. It was really horrible. I left American Airlines, like, death notes. It was so <laughs> bad. I was so furious. They didn't offer him anything. They just walked all over him and took advantage of him. And I'm still pissed about it to this day. I would be, too. Yeah, it was horrible. Let's cut the tension with a nice little Mackenzie story. Okay, this one is good. Um, My family still makes fun of me for this one. My brother loves bringing it up. So, and actually, I don't think I told y'all when it happened. I think I told y'all once, like, way after we got back. No, and I was sharing a room with you. I was. Okay. So, when we were in Amsterdam, Jordan and I shared a room. Yes, we shared a room in in quite a few of the places that we were on the trip. So we also, yeah, so shared a room, shared a bathroom. And it was like, I don't know, it was late at night. We had just gone back from like a long day and I had to go to the bathroom. And as some of you educated people may know, (laughs) sometimes when you go to the bathroom other animals do it you you're in a squatting position so if your feet are on the floor it's like not the best position to be in so you like put your legs up and usually there's like a stool like people will do it to a stool but yes have you heard of the brand squatty potty yes exactly so obviously there wasn't a stool there so I put my feet up on the seat and I let's just say I didn't think I had to pee. I didn't think that that's what was going to happen, obviously, because otherwise I wouldn't have done that. But because of my anatomy, I I ended up, like, pissing all over the bathroom. Like, literally just, like, piss just shot out. Just straight like it it didn't even go kind of in the toilet it got all over my pants like the shorts I was wearing it got on the floor it got on the towel that was on the floor like it was so and like I couldn't stop like it just all happened so fast I was like oh my god and like it ended and I was like 
what am I gonna do? Like, I didn't want to call the what Danish? Is it Danish? What what do you uh, whatever the Dutch? The Dutch hotel people and explain to them that I just pissed all over the floor on accident. So I like got towels and I just wiped everything up, wrapped my shorts and some things, and I didn't tell anybody until. She did not tell well, me. I didn't. And you, look, you didn't even know. I did not even know. So that it's a hilarious story, though. <laughs> yeah. Very funny. I, wow. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. I will now do another. This is high key traumatic. This yeah. Story. This was. This so was this is all the for... same trip. This is all the same trip. So in Paris, on the Fourth of July, it was. It's my uncle's birthday. The Fourth of July is my uncle's birthday. So. We had this really nice dinner, and then after the nice dinner, we had reservations to go to the Arc de Triomphe. And I had wanted to go to the Arc de Triomphe basically my entire life. I studied French in high school, and I was like, yes, this is this is lit. Uh, we I didn't know you'd always wanted to go there. Yeah, so we... <laughs> really puts, a, puts a damper on that. It does, because uh, we weren't going to the Eiffel Tower, so this no. was like this was the one where I was like, yeah, this is so cool. And earlier in the trip, we went to the Champs-Elysees and I was like, oh, I'm so excited. When we go up to the top of the Arc de Triomphe, I'll be able to see everything. It's going to be so great. So the sun was setting. We went to the Arc de Triomphe and my mom didn't want to have to walk because it's like this really narrow staircase and she's claustrophobic and also she has bad knees. So she wanted to take the elevator and she, but, was, oh, yeah. she was trying to take the elevator with you? Me. Yeah, with mm-hmm. my sister and my brother. No, he no. wasn't going to go up. Oh, he wasn't going to no, go up. It my was just me. So she was trying to take the elevator with my sister. And so I went up with my cousins and my uncle. And so we were go- We went up, and it's, like, really high up. I want to say, like, 19 stories. I feel like I made that up. But it's really high. And so really narrow staircase, went all the way up. There are a bunch of people, and it's really hard to... There's one staircase up, and then a different staircase is the staircase you take down. So once you go up, it's like a atrium that has, like, restrooms and a gift shop and a bunch of historical information about the Arc de Triomphe. And then you go up another small set of stairs, and then you're outside at the very top, which is, like, the rooftop where you can take pictures and you can see the whole city, and it's the Eiffel Tower, and it's really cool. So we are out there at the top of it, and everyone's taking pictures. And then we lose sight of my little cousin. So we can't find him and we're looking for him all over the place and I kind of see a couple of like military people like armed guard people and I'm like oh that's weird maybe they're you know just here because this is like a national monument and you know here to protect it and all of that so I'm thinking like oh they're probably helping us look for him and then I hear over the loudspeaker like everyone make your way to the exit the Arc de Triomphe is closing so no one's really moving but I'm like okay, well, maybe it's just closing soon, which I think it was because it was pretty late. And I'm still looking for my cousin, so we don't go anywhere. That's why we don't start heading down. And then the armed guards start looking like pretty, I'd say, like they're doing something more than just walking around. And so I start to get a little worried, but still can't find my cousin. So then I hear over the loudspeaker, you know, the the monuments on lockdown, there's been a threat, everyone please make your way to the atrium. So 
we find my cousin he was going down the upstairs so the wrong way then they found him so he was reunited with us but my family wasn't able to make it up to us so i start freaking out i'm separated from my family luckily we found my cousin but i have never been in a bomb threat before that so i didn't really know what to expect and i feel like when there's a bomb threat here it's pretty serious and i don't know i i guess there they they take like left bags very seriously and i'm sure they do at like national monuments here you know somewhere like the statue of liberty or anywhere in dc they would take it very seriously but i had never been through something like that so yeah i was freaking out do you want to talk a little bit about what was going on on the ground so basically mom and i couldn't get up to you like we were about to get on the elevator and the lady was like oh no no you're going to have to go back and we were like okay but why and she basically she didn't have an answer at first but because we were like we have family up there like we have family up there and she was like oh well somebody left a bag and we were like well so basically somebody had just left a backpack and the armed guards were down there with us and they had blocked off the roundabout because the arts triumph is in the middle of a roundabout so they made us get off of it and cross the street and like go like a safe distance away to where like the buildings and there's like a little park parkette area and we had to wait there pretty much the whole time they blocked off the roundabout and there were like police cars surrounding the entire thing from like all of the different streets yeah apparently our aunt was like cursing at cars yeah Yeah, they were like having a grand old time yelling at people down there and uh our brother was like freaking out and we were they were trying to keep him calm down there but um up up in the atrium because we weren't allowed to go outside anymore i was like very much freaking out so just having a full-blown panic attack really like hysterically crying i talked about this in my disneyland episode so if you want to listen to that go listen to that but i hyperventilate sobbing i had to call my boyfriend who was back in america and just be like hey there's a bomb threat don't know if i'm gonna make it haha and you know i he didn't seem very worried he doesn't get very worried at things i don't think but i was i was freaking out and i was also freaking out because i had to use my internet which was really expensive um in in foreign countries and i also had to use it to call my mom but she ended up being like it's fine which is nice i guess and then the people the french people who were there were like this this happens all the time and i was like what do you mean like, what do you mean this happens all the time? And I know they were trying to say that to, like, comfort me, but at the moment, it really didn't feel like nice okay. news to hear at all. <laughs> I was not having it. And my 12-year-old cousin was just comforting me, and I was so grateful for it. Uh, but I know that she was, like, probably freaking out, too. I think we all were. And then after, like, 45 minutes or maybe an hour, the threat was diffused as they say uh it was ruled to be to be not a threat anymore so everyone was allowed to leave and 
we got to go down the elevator instead of the stairs, which was, which was really hype, like the commoners. So it was super fast and our ears popped, I think, in the elevator because it was going so fast. Yeah, we were, we were reunited with my family very dramatically. We ran through the, uh, tunnel the underground tunnel and then i think was that the night where we like had to take a bus back to the the, and they kicked us off they kicked us off the bus because it was so late and they were like yeah the bus is this time the bus is done now so i guess buses in in paris don't don't even go to the to a stop to end their their (laughs) runs he just pulled over and was like get out and we were like, literally, what is going on? So we found like a really expensive Uber and then we're able to get back. But um, yeah, so that was the traumatic Paris experience. And then I have a more light one that I will finish us off with. But would you like your, uh, your, final, <laughs> your final story? Yeah, so my final story is really quick. Basically, the stereotype about construction workers catcalling and like harassing women was fulfilled jordan and i we don't live in a big city or we like don't live downtown anywhere so that kind of thing had never happened to me but i just assumed it happened in places like new york downtown la etc and so i we were in amsterdam and we were in a grocery store it wasn't even like out on the street or anything We were in a grocery store and there were these two male construction workers who were presumably getting their lunch on their break. And Jordan and I walked by and one of them went like, like, like a dog whistle, like something that you would literally do to a dog when you were like trying to get its attention. And that was really gross and also ugly. And I yeah I can check that off my bucket list (laughs) things that happened to me as a woman so the final story is a happy one that I get to end on thankfully I mean happy as in like just funny but we were in Paris or Amsterdam question mark if you're listening cousin who has been mentioned in this podcast if you're listening let us know if you remember this being in Paris or in Amsterdam because we don't remember but we were going somewhere I think we were going to like dinner or something and we were all getting on a bus and there were a lot of us and there was another group of people and I got like stuck in the back and then the bus driver closed the door right before I could get in and I was like bro so yeah I missed the bus and had to uh, walk to the next stop where I rejoined my family and um yeah that's all though that's all for this episode so if you enjoyed it be sure to let us know and check out our other ones if you haven't and follow us on instagram at ken's and joe talk show for updates and more interactive content Yes, if you need advice, be sure to check the link either in our Instagram bio or in the show notes, and we will see you next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye. Bye.